Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 11, 1 through 15, called Kingdom Questions. We know that John the Baptist was going to die a violent death under the hands of Herod. And Jesus was headed to the brutality of crucifixion. How much more violent can it get than those, you know, scenes that I've just laid out for you? So taking it at face value, the kingdom of God is suffering violence. It's being attacked, if you will. And men are trying to take it. Some believe the, the end here is take it by force. But there's a parallel verse in Luke 16, 16. You don't have to turn there. Here's how Luke records it. The law and the prophets, Luke 16, 16, were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom is preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Now, the second way to see this verse is simply this, that there's an urgency and you almost have to have a violent attitude in pressing into the kingdom of God through the narrow gate, if you will. Make sure you get in. Make sure you treat it as the pearl of great price that it is. And I think that for me, I would land that there's truth in both interpretations. One, yes, the kingdom suffers violence. Basic meaning. Two, it's time to enter into it, to do whatever you can do to make sure that you get in, that you trust in Jesus. Look at Matthew eleven thirteen, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now, just stop there for a second. You can see that John is the last in the line of all these prophets. You can go back to Moses. You can go back to Joshua. You can think of Elijah and Elisha. Chronicle your Bible, David and others. John is the last of those Old Testament prophets. He announced the Messiah and the Messiah was there. God spoke in various ways through the prophets, etc. In many portions, in many ways, Hebrews 1.3, in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. There was no need for any more prophet to announce the coming of the Messiah because the Messiah came in Jesus and John was the last to announce it. Everybody with me? This is a salvation map. Think, think a little bit of salvation history here. All these prophets come until John. John is the last of the Old Testament prophets. He provides the bridge to the Messiah. Now, some people might say, well, there, are there apostles and prophets in the modern church? Not in the sense of Old Testament prophets, I don't think. Is there prophecy in the modern church? In one sense, yes, but in another sense, not like the Old Testament prophets. John was the last, if you will, because Messiah was realized. And then Jesus says these words. This is the final question of the four. We'll spend a little time on this one. And if you care to accept it, he, John himself, is Elijah, who was to come. And all God's people said, huh? Now, how could John be Elijah? Well, Jesus is not saying that John is the reincarnation of Elijah. John, it was announced in Luke 1, 16, 17, came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He would have a similar ministry, if you will. He would be an Elijah-like figure. Well, why didn't the Old Testament then use the name John? Well, here's, here's a parallel application. Sometimes in the Old Testament, the Messiah is called David, like in the book of Ezekiel. Well, why would the Messiah be called David in the Old Testament? Because David cast a shadow of the coming Messiah. Everybody with me? So he was called David in quotes. 
That's why John the Baptist could be called Elijah, in quotes. Malachi didn't know his name. So Malachi gave a prophecy. But Jesus says, and just read the verse again, if you care to receive this, and the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit, but the spiritual man can, John himself is Elijah. Now, what did the Bible say about this coming of Elijah? Well, it's one book back, convenient for navigating your Bible. It's the book of Malachi. All you got to do is turn one book back. It's the last Old Testament book, and there are two prophecies about the coming of this one called Elijah, or the messenger. Let me just set a little bit of time frame for you. And actually, why don't you turn to Malachi 1 so you can see the audience just for a second. Malachi is usually... Um, determined the last of the Old Testament books by date, somewhere around 400 uh, B.C. 400 years before the Messiah comes is the date of Malachi. Now, some of you have heard about an intertestamental period. Big word. All it means is that there were 400 years of prophetic silence from Malachi to Matthew. Everybody with me? That's the intertestamental period between the Old and New Testaments. Then John arrives with the message of the Messiah. Malachi is that last book before the silence occurs. Now notice what happens. The oracle, Malachi 1.1, it's a very short book. I would encourage you to study this on your own. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel. Israel is the recipient through Malachi. So prophets spoke the word of the Lord. And here you have the one who brought it was Malachi. The audience is Israel. Now, for the sake of time, skip over to Malachi 3.1. You can see the first prophecy of two in Malachi about John. Behold, Malachi 3.1. I'm going to send my messenger and he will seek, he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he, Messiah, is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi. That's a tribe in Israel, the priestly tribe. And refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Now let's just pause there for a second. When the messenger of the Lord would come, according to prophecy number one in Malachi, The Lord would suddenly appear in his temple. Now, John the Baptist is the first fulfillment of the Elijah prophecy. There's no doubt Jesus just told us. The Lord suddenly coming to his temple could be a couple things. One, it could be when Jesus cleansed the temple twice in his earthly ministry. Remember, at the beginning of his ministry, he turns over the tables, he cracks the whip. He says, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He did it at the end of his ministry. And we say, maybe that's him suddenly coming to the temple. But it doesn't seem to fit with the next verse. Malachi 3, 2 says, who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire, like fuller soap. Certainly, Whatever this is, it can't just be those cleansings of the temple. Then the question is, what is it? Now, here's where I want you to put on your thinking cap. There are two main camps in the, uh, call them studies of eschatology or the last things. Camp number one would say, John the Baptist was the messenger. Jesus coming to the temple happened in 70 A.D., 
when Jerusalem was destroyed by the armies of Rome, and you can read all about this in history, not one stone was left upon another. And that generation that rejected the message of John, killed John and Jesus, would see the destruction of their edifice, if you will, their temple, because he said, your temple is left to you desolate. And, and camp one would say, they're a non-dispensational camp. I'll explain that in a second. It was fulfilled. John warned. The nation didn't turn. And the temple was destroyed. And that's when the Messiah suddenly appeared to the temple through the armies of Rome. And that was the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it happened in history. And it happened to Israel. Done deal. End of story. Now they would say, I'm not denying that Jesus is coming a second time. But I'm just saying that a lot of what you dispensationalists think is future happened in the past. Now you say, what is a dispensationalist, Pastor Michael? Well, dispensational theology, one part of it is that God will work again in the ethnic nation of Israel. This is a certain camp in orthodox circles, and it's not everybody. And most of you have heard dispensational teaching as it relates to the last days. Here's what I mean. You've heard uh, kind of a nice little neat package about a pre-tribulation rapture. Jesus could come at any moment. The return of Israel is a major uh, significant barometer to that, dot, dot, dot. I think most of you know that. That's the camp that I am in and have taught for probably three decades. But I just want to say to you that you need to be aware that there's a non-dispensational camp. And they even say the rebirth of Israel is irrelevant to last day's uh, unfoldings. They don't see any significance to it. They do not believe that God is going to work again in ethnic Israel. Now, I'm just putting that out there so you're aware that there's a different point of view. But I will say to you that even people in this camp look at the return of Israel in 1948, uh, becoming a nation, the recapturing of Jerusalem in 67, and they take note like, hmm, <laughs> it's making them think about their interpretation. Remember, I told you, you may leave today with more questions than answers. So I'm just going to put this before you. The second prophecy is the very last verses of the Old Testament. Look what it says. Once again about John in the language of Elijah. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that... I will not come and smite the land, probably the land here would be Israel, with a curse. Now, the prophecy, the last verses of the Old Testament basically say, John, under the quotes of Elijah, is coming, and what he's going to do is preach a baptism of repentance. Turn, turn back to Matthew, because we'll reference this one more time, and we're just about done. I've got just about five more minutes for you, so hold on, okay? All right, so basically now, You've got this prophecy, and here comes John, and what is he preaching? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Behold, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's trying to get everybody ready. Baptism of repentance, baptism of repentance, baptizing people, thousands of people, left and right, Pharisees coming. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Why did he say he's not Elijah if he's Elijah? Because he's not the literal Elijah, but he's Elijah in quotes. Everybody needs some aspirin at this point? All right. So, so John says, no, I'm not Elijah, but... But Jesus says he is Elijah. Which is it? Well, it's the, he comes in the spirit and power of Elijah to fulfill the prophecy. All right. 
Everybody take a breath. So, John is preaching repentance. Did the nation respond to John? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. A reminder, if you missed any part of today's program, maybe you just tuned in and you want to know, what is Pastor Michael talking about in that specific situation? Well, you can listen to today's episode and many other episodes of Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. In addition, we also have our new free Walk in Truth app where you can listen every single day and also watch videos. But if you'd like to listen to the Walk in Truth podcast, you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app to hear today's teaching and many other teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's trying to get everybody ready. Baptism of repentance. Baptism of repentance. Baptizing people. Thousands of people. Left and right. Pharisees coming. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Why did he say he's not Elijah if he's Elijah? Because he's not the literal Elijah, but he's Elijah in quotes. Everybody need some aspirin at this point? All right. So... So John says, no, I'm not Elijah, but, but Jesus says he is Elijah. Which is it? Well, it's the, the, he comes in the spirit and power of Elijah to fulfill the prophecy. All right, everybody take a breath. So John is preaching repentance. Did the nation respond to John? Did the hearts of the fathers return to their children? In some cases, probably yes. But as a whole, did John's ministry and the ministry of the Messiah bring the nation back to national repentance? No. And God honored his word and smote the land with a curse. And in 70 AD, Rome came and destroyed it and it's not been rebuilt for 2,000 years. So God is true to his word. Now, Jesus says, if you care to accept it, Matthew eleven fourteen, 14, John himself is Elijah who was to come. Now I want you to hold that thought, turn to one more passage, Matthew 17, just a little bit ahead of where you are. Now the Mount of Transfiguration is the scene. Jesus has been transfigured. Moses and Elijah have appeared on the mount. It's, he calls it a vision here. And they're coming down the mountain. Here's the discussion. So they're coming down, that's Matthew 17, 9. And his disciples, 17, 10, asked him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Now, the scribes were repeating the Malachi prophecy. And let me just say, pause just for a second. Most of you have heard about a pre-tribulation rapture because that's been the dominant teaching in any moment return of Christ. But here's something I would just have you think about. Have you heard a Bible teacher say to you that you should be looking for Elijah before the day of the Lord can happen? Well, most in the pre-trib rapture camp would say that the day of the Lord can happen at any moment. But if the day of the Lord is the whole last seven years, according to the chronology, wouldn't we be looking for Elijah before the day of the Lord could happen? I just want to leave that as a question. And some of you probably have either known this or noticed this. I do not hold a pre-tribulation rapture view. That's not the camp that I'm in. I hope they're right because I'd be ready to go up at any moment, right? I I hope they're right, but I don't believe that that's the biblical view. But so many of you have heard it packaged over and over again. You can't 
think any other way. It's very hard. I should say it's hard for you to think any other way. But just keep your mind and ears open just for a second. So here's what happens now here. And here's where I think we could have a dual fulfillment. They said, well, the scribes quoting Malachi say Elijah must come first. One other thing. Do you know at uh, Seder celebrations, Jewish people have something called Elijah's cup and they set a place setting for Elijah. You've all seen that. Do you know that in non-Messianic circles, they do that based upon Malachi 4 because they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So they think if Elijah shows up, he'll be announcing the first coming of the Messiah. If you've been to a Messianic Seder, they're thinking a second Elijah is coming to announce the second coming of the Messiah. All right? So anyway, now... Jesus says, Elijah 11, he answers, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. Now that sounds like he's coming a second time. Or it could be rendered, Elijah comes and will restore all things. And so the dispensational camp has said this. Elijah is going to appear a second time before the ultimate day of the Lord. And he'll be one of the two witnesses in Revelation 11. And this language seems to support that. And so this is where the debate lies. Is there a future appearing of Elijah? Will he be the one who announces the coming of the Messiah? If he does, we should probably be looking for Elijah. And so this is what you have to kind of wrestle with. And here's what he says. But I say to you, now this helps with view number one. I say to you that Elijah already came. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they wished. So also, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had spoken to them about who? John the Baptist. So let me just say this. I've given you four questions. The first one from John, the second one from Jesus, the third one about how could we be greater than John the Baptist. The fourth one is about Elijah. And how do we understand this in our own view of the end times. Let me just say this. From a practical standpoint, it doesn't really matter. I mean, whatever, whoever's right, it's all going to work out and it may not even matter to our generation. Amen? So, so I wouldn't get nervous about it and do a deep dive on an Elijah study for the next six months. You know, put on camel's hair and say, I got to know, know who it is. You know, some believe that an Elijah-like figure will appear before the second coming. You, you can... I'll I'll let you wrestle with it. And I think you should wrestle with it. And I think you should be a Berean and check what other people teach by your Bible. Amen? So you know what you believe and why you believe it. But let me just say that if you don't settle it completely in your own mind, I don't think it has great relevance to your life today. But I will say this. As you watch our world and you get the videos that come over your phone about this happening and that happening, just be careful that you have a biblical lens. Because if you don't have a biblical lens, you'll jump on every doomsday prophecy that comes down the pike. And I'll just say this, almost every generation has thought that they were the last one. It's going to happen in my lifetime. Why? Because I'm living now. And I, I think it should be me. And it should be us. And, but, but that's not always the best way to think. You've got to think biblically you got to step back and say, okay, what is the Bible actually teaching here? And if you've got good reason to believe that there's markers that could indicate the second coming is near, like the return of Israel to the land, 
like a possible double fulfillment of Elijah coming again in one of the two witnesses, which is the camp that I've been in, I would say, good, but make sure you are firmly there because you're convinced by Scripture and not someone else's opinion driven into your mind for the last 20 years or whatever it's been. Everybody with me? Okay, that's why we need the last verse. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'm praying for you. Because this week I came away and I'm like, oh Lord, I got, I got questions. I, I don't know if I have this completely settled, but that's okay because it'll drive us back to the Scriptures. You've been listening to Kingdom Questions Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, perhaps as you've heard the last part of this teaching on Matthew 11, and especially coming up to verses 14 and 15, especially as it relates to John the Baptist and the coming of Elijah. And you're like, okay, hmm, this is really interesting. I'll tell you, over the years, I have, I have wrestled with my, what's called my eschatology, my view of the end times. And this is a compelling passage because it, it links to Malachi, uh, the very last verses of what we call the Old Testament and the coming of Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it has implications for our view of eschatological things or things related to the end times. And certainly there can be a near-far fulfillment of this. That's where I've landed in terms of understanding Malachi 4. But I'll tell you, it's worth you wrestling with on your own and looking at the Bible and knowing what you believe and why you believe it. This is not an essential thing, certainly not, but it is a interesting thing. And with all the talk of, you know, wars and rumors of wars and people speculating about, are we in the end times? I think this would be a good thing to have securely in your mind in terms of what you believe and why. And if Elijah is coming before the great and terrible day of the Lord, if the literal Elijah is returning, well, then the day of the Lord's not going to happen until he returns which also has implications for your last day's views. So some things to wrestle with. I hope I've given you some things to chew on and cross-reference here in Matthew chapter 11. And I always, I'm excited to study the end times, but you know, it's not my main focus. I just teach through the word of God, but I will tell you, this is an exciting subject. You might want to look at Malachi 4, do a little extra homework and I'll have more to say as we move on into the chapter, later chapters of the book of Matthew. Well, if you're new to us, this is Walk in Truth. I am Pastor Michael Lance. I have the privilege of pastoring a great fellowship called Living Truth Christian Fellowship. I'm the senior pastor. We have five other pastors, an incredible team of servants. We have radio listeners that love to come and visit the local church, and we love to have them. And I Always want to make an attempt to meet our radio family. Hey, if you're looking for a church or anywhere near the Inland Empire, 
driving distance. Uh, we're, we're right near where the 91 and 15 freeways cross in the city of Corona, kind of right on the border of Norco. And we do three Sunday services. I'm normally teaching the first couple of them in the morning, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We have a 1 p.m. Spanish service. Wonderful team doing that service as well. And at the second service, we have a youth group and uh, we have things for the kids at both services. And we would love for you to come and check it out. Uh, amazing worship team and an incredible loving church. And what you're hearing on Walk in Truth is coming from the pulpit of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. So if you want to find out how to get here, you want information and driving directions and what to expect, go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. That's walkintruth.com. Click on that church tab. Plan a visit to Living Truth. We'd love to have you. And we'll see you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 11, verses 16 through 24, called, To What Shall I Compare This Generation? But my point is simply this. John couldn't please them with his ministry and neither could Jesus please them. And some people will not be pleased no matter what you give them because that's not the issue. The issue is they're hanging their hat on their objections so that they don't need to repent or they think they don't need to repent. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.